Welcome to the Office 365 Developer Show. I'm your host, Jeremy Fake. The only show focused on Office 365 development, where I talk to the experts from all over the globe coding on the Office 365 platform. For more information on Office 365 development, please visit dev.office.com and follow us on the hashtag Office365Dev. Okay, so welcome to episode 40, where uh, myself and Rich are actually sitting together for a change um, in Sydney, Australia. So welcome to Australia, mate. Down under. Down under. Yeah. We scared you a little bit with the um, the mosquitoes biting you at the restaurant the other night. Yeah, I am like the best mosquito attractor <laughs> ever. You're perfect. And like I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm not getting bitten at all. And you're like itching your legs. Hey, we get mosquitoes here? And I'm like, no, 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 none, no, no. And then you showed me all the bumps on okay. your leg. Okay, you're also the local that was like bundled up in like a full hoodie and, and jeans too, so. It's a little bit unfair, I was in shorts. I'm a Texas boy, I know how to deal with the heat. <laughs> We've had some good meals. You had kangaroo in that restaurant on the, ri- uh, on the river there on the bay. What did you think of that? Uh, it was good, it tasted like, I don't know, like, like kind of beef tenderloin or something. <laughs> it, was, it was fine. And then we were just been kind of, the last two days, been doing sessions around Office 365 development for the summit. Same as we've done with some of the other events. How have you found the Aussies crowd in terms of kind of questions and their interaction? Oh, I, I think it's, it seems to me like these guys are uh, are on their game. Um, what's neat is Office 365 seems like it has a lot of excitement right now, you know, based on some of the things we're doing with data centers and, and, and bringing that closer to Australia. And, you know, it seems like, you know, everyone's pretty uh, uh, advanced in kind of the things they're looking at doing. And uh, it's always fun to come and, and get some challenging questions. So Yeah, yeah. There's been some curveballs for sure. And it's great because we were encouraging them to go on to the Yammer network and they're asking the questions there. And so anyone who's listening to the show can kind of see what kinds of questions are being asked at these events, which is cool. Yep. Yeah, so the big news this week was a data center went live this morning, actually. So we're recording this on Tuesday. So now we're, there's going to be a process of migrating um, Australian customers from the kind of the Singapore data centers and Hong Kong data centers down to the Australian equivalents. And that's going to make a huge difference in terms of what customers can adopt Office 365 for various different kind of um, rulings around where data can be stored and especially kind of government organizations. So it's going to be really, really good, I think, for us as a business with Office 365 now having that. So that's cool. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's funny when the first time I came here, my biggest concern around that, you know, I, I don't really necessarily am in tune with all the regulations around the world in different countries. And my biggest thing was, you know, I want a tenant that's close to Australia. So <laughs> I have a good experience. And it to me, that was actually one of my biggest aha moments with Office 365 and then, you know, the network that we have is that I use a North America tenant when I'm here and you would never know it. It, it screams. Yeah. It's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's but, pretty cool. But it's awesome for, you know, obviously some of the regulatory things that they have yeah, in yeah. this country. So that's, that was exciting. We had a pretty cool keynote yesterday. Um, I was very fortunate that um, the team decided to give the dev team 30 minutes in the keynote um, out of a two-hour keynote, um, whereas usually we only get like a 10-minute slot. And so we kind of did def by demos of 14 different demos of the various different things like do.com and Smartsheet and the property inspector hero demo we have. And the, the feedback was pretty cool. Like we pitched it to a, a business audience, not necessarily to developers, and just to kind of get people to understand what you can do with apps. And uh, I've had a lot of questions. I've had a lot of people pull me up during lunch times and breaks and be like, you know, it's really cool. I didn't realize you could do that in Outlook or I didn't know that app existed. So it's, it's nice to kind of get that kind of, feedback from people that aren't necessarily developers out there. Yeah, you know, I actually had a guy in my last session that was uh, a CPA that wasn't had nothing to do with development. He just, you know, used, 
you know, our tools. He lives in things like Excel and, and, you know, he had a lot of interest in based on what you did. I mean, it was kind of the epic, you know, demo fest of, yeah. of apps and extensibility. And, you know, he wanted to come in and see how, you know, as, as a CPA, you know, being able to just go find some of these things and, and extend, uh, you know, things like, like office further to do more. So it's cool yeah. to see that kind of, uh, feedback and, and response out of it. Yeah, when I get back, I'm actually going to record, uh, screen record each demo individually and we'll post them on YouTube so that people can see them because there have already been a bunch of hype around like the clause library like demoed in Word um, as a scenario that everyone is going nuts for. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we'll definitely get a bit more video footage there to showcase some of these demos as well. And uh, when do you head back, May? Are you, got, are you doing any other travels in Australia before you leave? I'm going to Melbourne for a few days to, to work with some ISVs there and yeah. then uh, headed back on, on Saturday. So Yeah, I think we're both saying a little bit tired. I think the, the last few days have been a bit, bit of a draw getting these sessions ready. We, um, we took the feedback from the last few events, so South Africa and Amsterdam, and we totally shuffled the entire tracks. Um, so Andrew Salamatov just did a an authentication session where he bundled two modules that we used to do separately into one. And um, he did a really good job of doing it, but it was kind of, there wasn't very much prep time for us to get that going. So yeah, it's good to, it's good to adjust. I mean, the great thing is that all this stuff is already really well documented out on dev.office.com. You can find, you know, we might, we might come to these conferences and do like 16 modules, but there's so much more that's available and it's good to kind of mix that up and, and base, you know, try to, pull in what people are wanting to see more of. Yeah, and it's the last 365 summit of the year, so or the fiscal year for us. So it'll be interesting to see what other events we do. Obviously, there's the dev camps going on. I was just talking to Andrew Coates, who's local DX guy here, um, who was actually my mentor when I first started out at Microsoft, uh, well, before Microsoft, when I was just starting out in my career. And um, so he's running the dev camps here, using all that content too. So the summits is one way, but I think the DX dev camps and the local subs is going to be another way for people to kind of consume this free training and get to speak to people about, you know, their, what they can build with this stuff. Yeah. Hopefully we'll, you know, pretty quickly after, you know, build and ignite where we have some really cool things in store for the public is, you know, maybe have some additional things on like channel nine and, yeah. and, uh, you know, maybe some new MVA content. So yeah, there's going to be some really exciting MVA content and hands on labs pretty shortly after a build and ignite, which is cool. So, I mean, I'm working with you on that and a bunch of other people. So it's exciting to kind of get that stuff ready and out there to, to everyone, as soon as we announce something to have training content, there is is pretty cool. Cool. And then in uh, this week, I mean, obviously we've been traveling, but I've still managed to keep up with the, the blogosphere on what's been going on. Kirk Evans is on fire right now. I've pulled him into a few email threads around authentication, but he's on like part five now of a, a series around kind of APIs um, with Azure AD. And um, his latest post is something that's dear to your heart with single page apps and um, you did the Angular session yesterday where you talked about this and kind of cause APIs and implicit flow. Now we have Frank who's just kind of gate-cashed into the room. How are you going, Frank? Yes, Kevin old. We're doing a podcast right now and recording. You can come hey, and sit how in. Hey, how you guys doing? Come and sit in, man. <laughs> <laughs> so Frank's here with us this week as well. So um, how have you found Sydney, mate? Oh, I love it here. Yeah? It's great. It's great. People are great. Little jet lag though. Yeah, a little jet lag. We're, we're sounding a bit slow as we're recording this one today. <laughs> it's funny uh, to come here, like you know, you're Jeremy. You're always a popular person wherever we go, but you have like a, a following here. You have like groupies. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> they're they're everywhere. It's from my user group days and MVP days, I think. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, no, it was quite funny wearing the uh, the orange uh, Lacoste shirt in the keynote, and people were going around asking where they can get Jeremy's shirt from. 
That was a little bit weird. That's kind of like borderline stalkerish. Yeah. One person asked if he went up to you if you'd sign his shirt. He was a little bit like bashful to ask, but <laughs> yeah, I told him like, yeah, maybe not. You're just gonna give him a big head. So. <laughs> Actually, a I think awkward. I met that guy outside. Um, I told him just go up, just go ask him. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Frank. Yeah. You're awesome. <laughs> but a good thing is, a bunch of people come up and saying they're listening to the show. So we Lots actually people, have yeah. people in the audience all over the world listening to this, which is cool. So yeah, so Kirk's been doing that show on sing, uh, the blog post and single page apps. Um, he talks about the implicit flow here in the cause, and you mentioned this yesterday about Azure ID and the UI. That's not there yet, right? There's no checkbox toggle there. Yeah, you know, our you know things like not only Visual Studio tooling and some of the tooling within the Azure management portal, right? We're we're always going to be going through these growing pains when we're releasing things so quickly, and and one of those is is you know we can we can do single page applications with cores now. But I need to actually do kind of a, a manual manipulation of my application manifest. You have to yeah. pull down this XML file, change one little setting, re-upload it, and you're good to go. And that'll that'll manifest itself into a, a setting in the UI at some point. But yeah. Kirk, you know, highlights that again and, and hopefully yeah. resolves some some struggles if you try to do one of those. And um, he's got heaps of code snippets in here. It's all on GitHub. He's got screenshots, so it's a it's a perfect blog post um, for for people who are looking to do spa stuff like that. Yep. And then the second one here is um, Heather Sullivan, who has been in the SharePoint space forever, um, is a well-respected kind of go-to from a design perspective. Obviously, you know, Frank, you've been doing a lot of stuff on the patterns and practices work around branding. And so she's just put a post together on modifying the Seattle.master and uh, making it responsive. Responsive design. Yeah. Yes, I was just actually reading up on that. And what, uh, what was your uh, opinion on that? I started playing with it, and uh, it would be great to get a good, nice sample out there for folks um, to start playing with and see that pattern in, in, in real life. Yeah. You know, I think we, we push a lot, like the whole, you know, it's a little bit dangerous to be deviating from our out-of-the-box, you know, master pages based on, Changes we might make, like things like the app launcher, might require a change. But um, you know, to me, I think if if you do you know very specific things like Seattle Master, which is really broad, or you know, there's also there's lots of cool ISVs that do um, really well managed master pages. I think you know those are certainly something that it doesn't give a, give me as much heartburn. I think. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's definitely a, a tax if you start doing this stuff, but we know our customers want it, and in actual fact, we're working with Heather with our engineering teams in the SharePoint org now, um, where they're showing them this stuff too. So um, you know they're actively looking. They SharePoint team have heard it loud and clear that stuff needs to be responsive, and I think you know the community beating into it obviously means that they need to move pretty quickly too, which is cool. So definitely check out that post. And then Corey Roth, who has been a little bit quiet on his blog, and I'm sure, I know he listens to the show because he was like episode two or three on here too. But Corey, and actually John Liu as well, who's a local Australian guy, uh, jumped on the announcements last week around the Azure Logic apps and where we actually have support for SharePoint Online. Now, I know that Andrew Connell and CJ, my manager, on their Microsoft Cloud show actually released a podcast today talking a lot in detail about the logic apps in Azure. So for people listening, that'd be a great one where they talk about, you know, whether it's the end of SharePoint workflow by doing logic apps. But um, have you guys had a much chance to dig into it yet? I haven't yet. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the things that I want to add to the my long list of uh, demos and samples that I wanted to uh, create. I haven't had a chance yet. 
Yeah, so from what Corey's done here, he basically um, creates a connection between his Twitter feed and the SharePoint Online library uh, list, sorry, custom list. And, you know, via the UI of this Logic app in Azure management portal, every tweet that comes through his feed, he's then just saving it directly into a SharePoint list, uh, which is pretty cool. Like, it's a good kind of scenario. But there's a bunch of, like, ways you can daisy chain events. So it's not just like a one-to-one mapping. So it's not like Zapier or Ift. It's more of a, a business logic thing. I compare it a lot to, like, what you used to do with BizTalk, sure. where it would kind of go through a pipeline of different events and then end up somewhere dropping something. So it'll be exciting to see how people daisy chain that stuff together. And, um, you know, this is a V1 for Azure. And it seems pretty sophisticated in terms of the amount of different connectors they have at launch as well. Yeah, I know that, you know, similar things on like, you know, we've had things around like Project Sienna that ran more like native app and had similar capability to like flexibly connect to all these different things. And it was really popular. So I'm excited to see what sort of things come out of this as well. And then another one, Chris O'Brien, who's um, probably one of my favorite presenters based in London, SharePoint MVP. He's been in the space for a long, long time as well. It works at a place called Content and Code in the UK. And um, he's been doing app model stuff right from kind of the offset. A lot of his customers pushed it very hard in, in, in when it first released. But he's put together a post about kind of what areas you need to learn to become an Office 365 developer. And I think the fundamental thing there is, is he's not saying SharePoint developer or Office developer. He's really talking about the whole platform. I mean, Rich, you've seen it here this week, right? We've got it's interesting. There's not been as many SharePoint devs here. Yeah, it's, you know, I've, I think we've seen more people interested in, you know, connecting to exchange type APIs yeah. and, you know, some of the office client type right. extensibility. So, yeah, it's kind of neat to see that. And, and you know, it's the great thing I, I think, you know, is we have this, you know, foundation of if you're a really good web developer, you're probably going to be able to pick up any of those pretty quickly moving yeah. forward. So, but yeah, it's cool to see kind of that comprehensive list. And most of the things that I've been chatting with people about has been mostly not around SharePoint, but across the suite. Yep. And and leveraging those backend services. So it this is like the first conference where I've actually it's not all SharePoint. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, I think kind of Amsterdam and definitely South Africa was very much SharePoint crowd, right? So this one, I guess there's a I mean it's a very sophisticated dev uh, ecosystem here. Um, there's a lot of you know big SIs that just build websites, top of the Microsoft stack. So the fact now they're seeing the benefits of, I can be in Outlook or Word or PowerPoint or Excel or hook into these APIs is is you know where people are getting excited. And then lastly, um, Andre Large, and I've probably pronounced your name really horribly wrong because you're from Switzerland, and I am very sorry, Andre. It might be like Large A or Large, or I, I don't know. We'll, we'll go with. Large, um, <laughs> just changes name on the fly to everybody, right? Large. <laughs> anyway, he's put together this um, SharePoint app. What it allows you to do is deploy it to a team site, and it basically allows you to configure and add buttons to your SharePoint ribbon. And you provide the JavaScript um, and the icon um, to allow you to do custom actions on the fly. So it's a way of like adding to the ribbon without necessarily going into Visual Studio and, and building those things through the custom actions and stuff, which is pretty neat. So he's kind of got all the source code there and screenshots and stuff. So if you're doing anything with a ribbon and you're kind of building those things in lists and libraries, this is a really cool way of doing it uh, as an end user without necessarily in Visual Studio. It's kind of, I guess it compares to like macros in Excel, but by being able to kind of launch those things on SharePoint lists and libraries and stuff, which is pretty cool. Yeah, he's also doing some things around like launching things into pop-ups, which I've always, I always felt like, like the pop-ups in our app model, we don't, 
we don't promote enough because, you know, we always talk about, you know, there's things like the full page apps and, con, you know, the command type apps and app parts. But, you know, pop-ups are really, you know, kind of a, a, another cool way that I can deliver a user experience in that model that's very well supported. Um, and, and off those buttons is certainly a, a great way to, to launch into that, be able to launch new content in different ways. So, yeah, so that's, that's kind of the, the, the blogosphere update this week. Um, shame on you that hasn't blogged this week about Office 365 development and you didn't make the show. I know that people appreciate it. And um, I do apologize for some of the bloggers that are running on Azure and have had to um, up their compute cycles to cope with the load <laughs> based on the click-throughs, which is a good thing, right? Like, in general, we're promoting them. But yeah, it does mean that it means your blogs are getting hit a bit harder than they used to be with the way we're shouting out the, the posts in the show. So um, we've got the rest of the afternoon now here. You, what are you doing, uh, Frank? We've, we're going to share a session later on, right? Yep, we're going we're gonna to talk about ALM and SharePoint apps. And then uh, we're going to go a deep dive into provider hosted apps um, later on, last session of the day. And what have you got, Rich? You've got a Cordova one, right? That's right. I get to blow their minds with amazing native applications just using <laughs> HTML5 and Angular. And Well, you've already shown us up this week. He did, I don't know if you were in the Angular session, Frank, but he did like no slides, just opened up Plunker and did the whole hour and quarter Well, he did have, one, he did have one slide. <laughs> and, and then it was the vision slide. It was the vision slide. Because you knew I was in a room. You'd get, you know, you knew I'd be angry if you didn't show it. Hey, it's a great slide. <laughs> Let's show, show it. So yeah, I have that, and then doing universal app. So we like Windows Universal. Yes. So yes. just connecting to the APIs and mm -hmm. cool. Well, um, thanks again for coming down to Sydney. It's been good to have you guys represent. And uh, shame on you, Frank, for not bringing your orange shirt. I know I'm bad. I'm bad. So. <laughs> but I do have my speaker shirt. So. So um, yeah, this week we've got a bunch of stuff we're doing, but we're talking to uh, the Xamarin guy on the show now, uh, talking about where they're at with all their Xamarin stuff. And um, again, it's, it's exciting to see where they're going and, and what they're publishing, supporting the Office 365 APIs. Uh, I mean, it's an alternative to Cordova in the sense that it's Xamarin.net rather than HTML and JavaScript like Cordova is. And um, they're doing some great work with us and we've got some good Good things we'll be doing at Build and Ignite with them as well. So it's good to get James on the show. So hopefully you enjoy it. And uh, thanks for gate crashing the show, Frank. That's yep. awesome. Uh, I, if you ever need me to crash a party again, I'll be more than happy to. So. <laughs> I'm not surprised. And then yep. um, thanks for our second co-host experience. Yeah, yeah. Cool. All right, enjoy the show, guys. I'm here in Building One with James Montemagno, who's a developer evangelist at Xamarin. So welcome to the show, mate. Oh, thanks for having me, Jeremy. It's an honor and a privilege on this side of the mic. Yeah, you've um, you've been on a fair few events now where we've been having you speaking about Xamarin and, and what it means to us from an Office 365 perspective. But how long have you been with Xamarin now? My history actually comes before joining Xamarin. I've been a .NET C Sharp developer for over a decade now. Did uh, video game programming on the Xbox 360. I did printer software for a few years. And then I actually did mobile development. I moved to Seattle for that yeah. about four years ago now. And I started at a small startup. Uh, and I didn't know anything about iOS or Android development. But I walked in first day. And the story, some people may know, that my boss came in, told me, said, listen, we're going to CES in two months. We need an iOS, Android, Windows Phone, and Windows Store app. <laughs> Go. You know, And I didn't know Java. didn't know Objective-C. I stumbled upon Xamarin, and I built my first applications and continue to build all my applications all in C-sharp, 100% native on all platforms. So I was a customer for two years, and then a year and a half ago, I joined Xamarin as a developer evangelist. So all that really means is I still get to write codes and apps. I was showing you off of one of my apps earlier, and I just get to talk about it more. And you get paid for it. And I get paid for it. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of the best, best of all worlds, really. You get 
to do what you love and help developers around the world be successful in making mobile applications on all these great platforms. And so the play with Xamarin is it's mobile device. Like I write the code once, but I can ship it to multiple platforms. Exactly. So you, we're leveraging uh, Mono and the Mono runtime, uh, which is Mono's the o- original open source implementation of .NET. Yeah. So what this means is that you're not only just writing iOS and Android and Mac applications in C Sharp, but you're actually getting all the great .NET libraries available to you as well. And with that comes like things like like link support, async await support, C Sharp features. But then .NET, you get your HTTP clients, you know, you get all the great NuGet libraries that are built on top of the .NET libraries. So for instance, all the Office 365 APIs as well. So you build out a a common shared uh, library, just like you would in a universal application for a Windows phone and Windows store. But now you can take that same code and immediately use it in iOS or Android. And then the great part about Xamarin is that we have multiple approaches for handling the user interface. We give you the native approach, which is building out uh, a native iOS and Android user interface inside of Visual Studio. So everything's inside of Visual Studio or RIDE Xamarin Studio. But you get great designers, so you can build and get take advantage of every single widget uh, that you want and bring in, create your own custom controls, everything like that, and then tie in your, your code behind there as well. And there's great MVVM frameworks if you're an MVVM type developer like MVVM Cross or MVVM Lite or you just develop traditionally. And then we have Xamarin Forms uh, which still enables you to share all that business logic code. So all of your RESTful service calls, database, Office 365 calls, but it has a shared UI layer. So it's really great for like forms over data type thing or CRUD operations. But you get to write everything in XAML there's no designer, but uh, you get to write everything in XAML or C Sharp, and then that works across iOS, Android, and Windows Phone. All oh, right, so, so you're a, always building the UI once and getting it shared as well. Exactly. So you okay. kind of have uh, approach based on your application and your needs. So if yeah. you really want to customize and tweak, I'm a, a native guy, I like to modify and take advantage of every single bit and different library out there. But if I'm doing you know, enterprise applications, forms over data, pulling in stuff, Xamarin Forms is perfect for oh, adding yeah. that in. And yeah. my experience so far with seeing the adoption of Xamarin, the conferences we go to, is it's not necessarily just existing C-sharp and XAML developers that already have that skill set, and it's an easier transition. But it seems to be a lot now where startups see it as a benefit because they can learn C-sharp and XAML pretty quickly, but they can get to target multiple platforms at once. Yeah, so we don't... So I like to say we don't live in a world where we're able to just release one platform at yeah. a time. You know, you have to be out same day on all to get the most bang for your buck, and you want to hit the most consumers. Yeah, you want to be on all the platforms. Uh, so Xamarin, you're able to do that and share a vast amount of code, and, and that's going to range anywhere from you know 50, 60, 70 percent of your code because all of your apps are doing the same thing, right? They're right. making this call, they're pulling it in, they're displaying it, and yeah, it's just not C Sharp and .NET developers. I go and I speak to iOS groups and Android groups, and a lot of these developers were .NET developers that are now writing Java or Objective-C. And if you're a Java developer, maybe you want to continue writing Android apps in Java, but you want to target iOS. You don't want to learn Swift or Objective-C, but you know C-sharp, because it's not that different from Java. It's just C-sharp's a lot nicer. It's a lot better, (laughs) Uh, personal opinion and just fact. But... That's a really nice transition point. And then you can start leveraging. You say, oh, well, if I start to use Xamarin and build out 
that application, then I can target Windows Phone, Windows Store, or heck, even a, a Mac application or a desktop WPF application, because all of that shared C-sharp library now applies to all these great platforms. Right, right. Especially in the startup scene, we don't have a lot of money to invest, um, and you can't hire multiple people to write the app multiple times. It gets yeah. really expensive, so you want to just write it once. It's also like, like testing, I guess, from a surface layer. If all your business logic is only written once rather than in all those different languages, it's got to be easier to test the app too. Well, imagine, yeah, imagine now you just have one unit test project, and yeah. that's tackling all of your mobile applications. Uh, we also have UI test, uh, which sits uh, on top of Test Cloud to do automated UI testing. Yeah. But again, that's one suite of tests instead of having to do you know multiple CI servers, multiple yeah. testing suites, multiple everything. It just gets all condensed down. So if you look at the big picture. You know, not just the app. You look at the testing. You look at the, the the release cycles and CI and everything as you get bigger and bigger. Uh, doing that three or four different times gets unmanageable. Yeah, sure. Right. So you want to be able to control that and um, be highly productive. So you want to add a new feature to the app. You want to tie into a new API. You just do that once, and then tie in a little bit of user interface, and you're good to go. And so, from a dev environment, you got a MacBook Pro. I got a MacBook Pro. You do need a Mac to be able to build the iOS stuff, right? You can't just code from Visual Studio on a on a Windows machine and, and output Android, Windows Phone, Windows Store, iOS. Sure. So my typical environment is on a MacBook Pro, uh, but inside of VMware or Parallels okay. to do some um, virtualization there. So for Android, we'll start with Android because it's the easiest. It just works. If you're on Mac, if you're on PC, it doesn't matter. Google yeah. ships the SDK anywhere. For Windows stuff, you obviously have to have a PC because Microsoft only ships on, on Windows. Uh, for Apple, it's a little bit interesting because they only ship their SDKs and simulators on the Mac. Yeah. So all the build tools, everything like that are on the Mac. Now, you can still open and create a solution and project in Visual Studio, and you can actually start typing code mm -hmm. as much as you want, especially your shared code, obviously, but actually your code behind, you can type that all up. You can compile it. But when you want to actually compile your application and do testing and anything like that, you have to build or design work. Yeah. You have to actually connect to the, uh, we call it a Mac build host. Okay. And this is any Mac that could be on your network somewhere. It doesn't have to be a, a crazy expensive Mac. You just install like a Xamarin agent or something that the Visual Studio talks to. Exactly. So when you install Xamarin, so if you're a developer coming in for the very first time, you'll install Xamarin on your PC. That'll install Xamarin Studio, the Android SDK, and the Visual Studio plugins. Yeah. Then you go over to your Mac and you'll install Xamarin again. This will install Xamarin Studio, the Android SDK, and the build host, the Xamarin build host. And you also need to install Xcode from Apple, from the developer site, or from the App Store. And then you just open this little application, it just sits there, and its sole job is just to connect to Visual Studio right. and do remote compilations and uh, remote debug sessions. So can you run an emulator then on your Mac and see it running when you need to push the builds over? Or For iOS, unfortunately, not right now. Yeah. Uh, so when you're actually doing that, the, the simulator will be launched over on um, the Mac, or if you have a device plugged in, yeah. it'll just launch on the physical device, and yeah. they pop up in the little debug window in Visual Studio. Yeah. Now, what you could do, though, is you could always VNC your remote desktop right. into your Mac and just have that sitting there. Yeah, That's yeah. what a lot of developers do yeah. as well. I've seen a lot of people, Rooster um, Zigger, who's over in DX, he kind of carries an Android device, he carries an iOS device and a Windows phone, and when he deploys, he pushes them all there because he finds the the speed is a lot better than running on an emulator. I find, depending on what you're building, like the touch interface as well, like it's hard to get the feel of what the app's doing when you're 
using a mouse and a screen or something like that as well. Yeah, it's always good to test on a device. I mean, a, a Windows phone device, like I test on a 520, yeah. which is, I think it's like $30 yeah. off contract. On Android, I test on an original Moto G, which is about $60. So iOS is a little bit more expensive, obviously, yeah. uh, to get like a, an iPod Touch. But that's a great point because I always rec- I, I do in emulators as much as I can. We have the Xamarin Android player, or you can use the the new 2015 uh, Android emulator from Microsoft. Yeah. It works with Xamarin as well uh, if you're over in Visual Studio 2015. But something about the touch is interesting. I was I was making this app that you're kind of flipping through pages of coffee shops. And you also have this pull to refresh. Now when you're Messing around with the mouse and yeah, it's like you're, side, yeah, right? you're you're pixel perfect. And I gave it to my buddy, and he immediately found like weird interactions where they were colliding with each other. Right, right. But when you're actually tapping, you're you're, you're hitting the pixel perfect perfection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's always good to have a device. Yeah. It's basically, yeah, before you ship. That's yeah. cool. And then yeah. um, from a licensing perspective, with this, what does it cost if I'm if I have you said there's Xamarin Studio and Visio Studio, mm-hmm. but if I'm on Visual Studio, maybe I've got an MSDN subscription or I've purchased it. Is there an additional cost there to have Xamarin on top? Like, how does that work? Sure. So there's multiple levels to Xamarin. So this it's all subscription based. It's perpetual license uh, for year long subscriptions. So there's the starter edition. So when you download and install Xamarin, you'll automatically be on the free starter edition. Yeah. Which is only Xamarin Studio for iOS, Android. It limits your app size. Uh, but we have a full 30 day trial of our business edition which would give you Visual Studio integration. So there's Starter, which is the free version. You can ship apps for free. And then there's the Indie Edition, which again is only Xamarin Studio, but that uh, gives you unlimited app size and support on the forums and a bunch of other great things as well. And then there's the Business Edition. Now the Business Edition gives you Visual Studio, email support, um, and some other features as well. So that's what you would need now. If you're an MSDN subscriber, you go to xamarin.com slash msdn, that's where all the special offers for MSDN subscribers cool. are. So the current pricing right now is Indies $299 per year per developer per platform, and then business is $999. But of course, you know, those prices can always adjust. Yeah, so yeah. check store. Sure. Yeah, yeah. store.xamarin.com. Cool. And then there's special offers, like I said, for MSDN members. And we have open source uh, subscription offers as well, and students uh, are free as well. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. And so from my audience perspective, Office 365, what, what benefits you mentioned, like, you know, because you can use any .NET library within your shared projects, uh, we immediately can take advantage of things like the Office 365 API client SDKs. So a lot of the work we do around right-clicking on the project and add connected service, that's all going to work in a Xamarin project. Yeah, so I've uh, we've worked really close with the Office team and the tooling team, and it's exactly the same thing. When you go and add connected service to your Xamarin Android or Xamarin iOS project, it's the same exact workflow. Yeah, and all of the libraries get added automatically, so we have full support for all of the Office three sixty five NuGet libraries, and that's the great part about this this rich ecosystem for .NET developers. You get to take advantage of NuGet, so things like JSON.NET and the Office three sixty five and ADAL right. NuGet packages. You just pull them in just like you normally would into your WPF application or Windows Phone or Windows Store application. You just start to take advantage of them. Right. So we can immediately. immediately go into like OneDrive for Business or Mail mm-hmm. Calendar contacts and sites and stuff straight away. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. So then you know if you already have if you're already doing this. In the Windows world, once you install Xamarin and you're if you're writing in like a portable class library or shared code, you would just automatically have some more checkboxes for Xamarin iOS, Xamarin Android. So all those libraries that you have already wrote 
will now be compatible to the most extent with right. Android and iOS. So existing Xamarin developers that maybe have built an app that has this notion of a files type service or a, um, a mail or a calendar service, they could go back into their existing Xamarin apps and add those those hooks into our services as well. Exactly, yeah. So in, in that instance, yeah, if you already have an application doing this stuff, you're looking to get started, it's easy as just tying up a little bit of user interface and calling the standard Office 365 APIs. Yeah. So all of the ADAL authentication is the same, and that ties into Android and iOS because the ADAL team does that. And the same thing on Office 365. It's just the same exact calls. If you want to send an email, gather your emails. Uh, we have we have blog posts on it, how to get up and running and in our documentation. So when you go to blog.xamarin.com and just type Office 365, you'll see blogs on gathering contacts, getting emails, are integrating with OneDrive yeah. as well. So how to automatically pull down files and things like that. So it's all the same. It's just how you want to present it on each different platform. And you've got some samples as well as the blog post sitting on GitHub too, right? Yeah, so I actually gave a presentation at TechEd Europe last yep. year. Uh, with Jason Short, uh, we were talking about just integration in the different mobile platforms. I created an app. I thought it was clever. I still think <laughs> it's clever. It's called Five Minute Meeting. Uh, so the premise behind the application was not only to demo Office 365, but kind of a real world example. When I was doing, and I still do, mo- development, I was in a very scrum oriented approach where we would always have these like little five minute meetings, stand up meetings. So I thought it'd be cool to actually pull in on iOS and Android all my contacts, be able to email somebody, schedule a calendar, or edit and add new contacts really quickly. So that's one example which you'll find on dev.office.com when you search under samples or on my GitHub, which is just github.com slash James Montemagno. Very nice and short. I keep, yeah, it, I keep right. it simple. Everything. So easy to spell your name too, right? Exactly. I think I got it right first time. Though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I have that, and that's a full example of a full native user interface for iOS and Android using all the new fancy libraries to make it look all pretty. And then a shared library. So like all the code for tying in and pulling down all that information, sending emails, everything like that is all shared in a shared library. That's nice. Yeah. And then there was some other work that your team's been doing uh, where we released the OneDrive picker for Android. You've actually shipped some of that on GitHub as well to support the Xamarin pl- plugins as well. Yeah, so there's quite a few other things to take advantage of. So we have the brand new one there is the OneDrive picker for Android, which is the consumer yeah. portion of it. So uh, our team worked to actually make a component out of that, which is like a NuGet library. Uh, but a component is a little bit different because it has, it's on components.xamarin.com. And what it is, it's basically just a, a library or a NuGet package, but it has special getting started documentation behind it. So it's kind of like a hand curated NuGet feed, almost, yeah. if you will. So when you go there, you'll see a bunch of different libraries, such as the OneDrive Picker, and that enables you to easily, on Android, because what um, the OneDrive team had made it for, easily just pull up a file picker back and forth. Sure. But another concept we have to actually enable developers to kind of write less code across platforms, and I have to worry about the underlying platforms, are these things called plugins for Xamarin. So when you go to github.com uh, slash Xamarin slash plugins, uh, or just Google or Bing for plugins for Xamarin. And they're all on NuGet. And there are a series of about 40 or 50 cross-platform libraries. They give you a single API that can be accessed from shared code, a portable class library, or shared code project uh, to enable you to do things that all the different mobile platforms do across iOS, Android, Windows, and Windows Store, and Windows Phone. 
such as settings, getting geolocation, taking photos, encryption, decryption, and different other common things like battery status or so push you, notifications. So when you're writing your code, you don't have to write it specifically to target one platform. You write it using that plugin and the plugin does the smarts in the background to know what it's running on. Exactly. So even though you're writing code, you could write the code just in an Android project or a Windows Phone project, or you could write it in a portable class library in your shared code. So it's one call. So for instance, a, a great example uh, is my geolocator plugin. And it has an API that's called get position async. Yeah. And what this does is it gets your current position based on the underlying platform implementation. So iOS or Android or Windows Phone. Yeah. Uh, and it returns it to you in an asynchronous way. So it's one line of code instead of having to write the Android right. iOS. Going and grabbing all the APIs from every different yep. platform and working out what we got to write. Exactly. So that's the exact same way. It's like you don't want to actually go and write all that Android-specific code or iOS or Windows Phone-specific code. I just want like a nice cross-platform library, kind of yeah. like almost .NET is, right? .NET right. is just like this big cross-platform library. And that's what plugins for Xamarin bring to the mix. And, and you, you open source all those, and some of those you've written, but their community have also written a bunch of plugins as well, right? Yeah, so when you go to the, the Xamarin uh, GitHub page, Xamarin slash plugins, you'll see a whole list of plugins from from obviously myself, but also from other Xamarin's and people in the community. Yeah, we link to the NuGet, the GitHub, which has documentation and source, and then also to the Twitter account of whoever created it. So uh, all of these are open source because so you can actually see how they're working, right, right. which I think is really important because you might want to tweak something or do something yourself or just grab the code. Yeah, and all of these are under an App Store friendly license, such as MIT. As, as well. That was kind of one thing that we're working with the community members yeah. to make really great yeah, it's interesting. plugins. Like barcodes yeah. and gyro and all sorts of stuff on there. Yeah, file system, uh, compressing images. Yeah. Um, my one favorite one is actually the Sockets plugin. Uh, it does TCP and UDP listening and a UDP multicast wow, okay. uh, from one portable class library right. call. And I've wrote that code before. Yeah. And, and it's, it's not, not it is not easy. <laughs> so it's super simple to do that, which is really great. So there's there's a whole bunch of them. We're always updating them and people in the community are making more. So imagine now, you don't only get to share all your Office 365 integrations, but maybe you want to pull something back based on specific location or take a photo and then upload that back and forth, all from all shared code, 100 yeah, yeah. percent You don't have to dive into the platform specifics unless you want to. So if if there was a developer out there that's interested in like building mobile apps for these different devices for with using Xamarin, where would you recommend they get started? Like is is there a particular path that you see developers going through when they're first learning? Well, my recommendation is to obviously install the tools, get started there, xamarin.com. You'll click download, you'll register for an account. And then on the very top of the website, uh, you'll simply see a developers tab. This can be completely redesigned, and you'll get a complete overview of how to integrate with Xamarin iOS, Xamarin Android, or Xamarin Forms. And on each of these, there's like a Hello World type application, which does more than Hello World. Yeah, It actually ties into like taking or placing phone calls and data entry. So you get to get a standard, like I actually wrote an application that did something. Yeah, sure. And that's a great way of doing it. And then you'll see some Mac, and but you'll also see some Xamarin plus Windows documentation, which talks about how to integrate with Visual Studio, Windows Phone, and Azure, which is where you'll find ADAL and also Office 365 APIs. But you'll see tons of stuff in here. And the very top, you'll see video. So there's amazing 
guides, APIs, samples. We have our forums and then our video section, which is full of great videos um, uh, from our conferences, but also other things that we've done nice. in the community. So there's tons. This is like just packed full of amazing content. This is where I got started. And I can see yeah. there at the top there, you've got getting started with a watch kit. So you've actually built the SDKs for that too? or Yeah, we just shipped same-day watch kit support yeah. uh, for Apple Watch, which we're very proud of, with designers built right into Visual Studio and Xamarin Studio. Is that right? Really? Yeah, 100%. So you can actually build everything from scratch. Same thing with Android Wear as well. Uh, so when you actually want to get started, all you do is just go click, oh, I want to get started on Android Wear. I want to get started on WatchKit. And I'll show you a step-by-step guide of how to do everything like right. that, which is really cool. Uh, so you have, if you have any questions, it's really just developer.xamarin.com. And cool. it takes you through everything. That's nice. Yeah. So and this is where I, everyone says, well, James, where did you get started? You've been doing this now for you know, four years. I said, to that's, be honest, I, just, I went to developer.xamarin.com and I just started writing some code, just file new projects, started messing around. But it's really important to learn how the platforms work. So we have app fundamentals and also cross-platform fundamentals in these guides. So show you how should I structure my projects? Yeah. Should I use portable class libraries? What is MVVM? Like how do I you know manage different app lifecycle? So it walks you through the entire thing before you start trying to complex and build and a complex build. system. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And um, where can we see you next? You're gonna you're gonna be at Build and Ignite for these. There's a lot of our audience will be at those different events. So we be at those ones. Yes, yeah, so I'll be at Build Ignite. I'm also at uh, Dev Intersections VS Live. So uh, when you go to my blog, it's motz.codes. Uh, we'll have a link in the show notes. Yeah. Dot codes is a very fancy uh, extension that you can buy for like thirty dollars a year. It's it's totally <laughs> worth it. You know, you, you want Jeremy dot codes. I'm sure someone bought that. Already. I'm pretty sure that's what yeah. you're going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Mots is my, is my nickname. So it's kind of you'll see that all over the place. But if you follow me on Twitter at James Montemagna, I'm always tweeting blogs, um, tweeting where I'm at. Uh, but I'll be at Ignite. I'll be at Build. And on my on my website, there's also a list of everywhere I'll personally be. Yeah. But also on developer.xamarin.com, you'll see a list of upcoming Xamarin events. So places where Xamarin in general will be, not just me, because we have other developer evangelists and other people in the community speaking. So when you go there, you'll find a whole list of where we'll be. And then also a link to our community forums, where you'll see all of the Xamarin events by yeah. our amazing community members. We have an amazing network of uh, 50 to 60 different mobile.net, mobile C-sharp developer groups all over the world. But then also there's all the great .net user groups and just other user groups that are presenting on Xamarin as well. So there's tons cool. of places to find someone speaking about Xamarin, not just me. And then you've got on the Ignite event, you've got a session there that you're speaking on behalf of our team. So what we'd be talking about there, is that kind of what we kind of showing what we've talked about today in the podcast or? A little bit, be using like all the latest and greatest. When we were at, at TechEd Europe, uh, it was just kind of the introduction of a lot of the new APIs. So I think I'll be updating a lot of five-minute five meeting. There's going to be a lot of five-minute meeting, intense <laughs> integration with a lot of the new APIs that are coming out. Yeah. Taking advantage of, I just thought of a lot of new cool ideas just talking with you, Jeremy. Yeah. So we'll be talking really from scratch. How can I take my existing c .NET knowledge integrate that with Office 365, but share that code across all the projects. Yeah, yeah, so we're going to see it running everywhere, but all from one code base with great native-looking user interfaces. So that's what I'll be talking about at um, Ignite. Uh, and then we'll also have other Xamarin sessions as well. That's great. Yeah. So Cool. Well, I really appreciate your time. I'm looking forward to seeing your session, actually, because I know like with the APIs that we're announcing, which we can't talk about on this show just yet, 
but the stuff we're announcing at Build, it'll be great. And uh, to actually have those right there, then, then in the Xamarin apps to show the benefits of calling those APIs in a mobile device. So, um, and across all of them as well, right? So you're yep. not just building for one, you're kind of pushing it out to all. So I'm assuming you're going to have like a dozen devices <laughs> on the desk and that's all sorts a, of stuff going on, switching between different shared screens. And th That's the day in the life of a, of a Xamarin developer evangelist. I carry around a bag of every single device I can think of. Yeah. I feel so bad for my... My my Mac because I'm running like iOS simulators, Android emulators, uh, Android Android uh, Wear devices, now WatchKit devices, then Windows yeah. Phone, and then trying to run a Windows Store app like all at the same time. <laughs> like you know, it's kind of crazy to be able to show it, but it's totally there. That's the life of a cross-platform developer. You know, usually I get to focus on one app at a time. Like I'm doing this, and then I'll like I'll switch over to iOS. But in demo mode, you're really showing them all. Yeah, so yeah. it's really cool to say. Launch, 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 and there's all that same code. Do you personally tend to use emulators or do you use devices? I go back and forth. Yeah. Uh, I really like our Xamarin Android player quite a bit. And even though I'm using VMware mm -hmm. to, in, in writing code in Visual Studio, you can connect to it just through a simple command yeah. command line. You just type in the IP address uh, and you can just connect to your Mac because your nested virtualization is a little, yeah, a little right. messy. But if you're on a PC, it runs side-by-side Hyper-V. So I find that before, I used to only use a device. Yeah. But now with the new the emulators option. from Microsoft and from Xamarin, like it's just a better option yeah. to get up and running. Still not 100%. So there's sometimes you need specific things on the devices, such as uh, when I'm demoing text-to-speech back and I want it to speak back. Uh, it actually has to be run on a device. So you always right. have to, some APIs only work on a device. Cool. So yeah, I go back and forth. But uh, it seems like for like rapid, just day-to-day, -day, like the, the Xamarin Android player is a lot nicer to use. And I can spend about you know, 80 to 90% of my time where that used to be flipped. Yeah, you know, right. to, so now I can just go to device when I need to. Yeah, cool. It's always nice to have a device by, right by. Well, we'll make sure in the show notes we link off to everything you've talked about today because there was a fair bit of resources that people can jump into and get stuck in on. And um, I just look forward to seeing your session ignite. And um, we'll get you back on the show, I guess, probably near the end of the year and see where we've kind of progressed even further with this stuff with Xamarin. But um, I'm, I'm personally interested in the watch thing. I want to see how quickly it is to build an app for the watch on Xamarin now. That's definitely going to be tempted to um, build a demo that works with the APIs, um, especially as we start introducing some of our new API. Surface layer as well. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, when we start thinking about all these new form factors. Now imagine you're tying into Office 365, but now you're getting different notifications right. on your wrist. We have um, Microsoft uh, Band support as well, so you can actually tie your Android or iOS application into Band. Wow, cool. So you can actually do special things with that as well. So it's kind of like your .NET code running everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Right. Cool. So yeah, it's a different way of thinking of it when it comes to the wearables, but you know, all in C-sharp. Yeah, I was at that Google, the NG Conf two weeks ago, and there were still quite a few um, Glass users there. Mm. But there was, I would say probably 40% of the audience had Google Watches on of some kind. Yeah. And it was interesting, you know, like at Microsoft conferences, you see people on their phones all the time texting and tweeting. But you saw a lot more people, that, like their wrists were flashing as notifications <laughs> come up and yeah. sitting there on that. And I'm not convinced that any is any more undisruptive than getting your phone out of your pocket and using your phone. But we'll see how Apple changes that market when it ships. Yeah, I'm very, Apple. very interested to see what happens. Will you be buying one? Uh, I'm an Android user, so I'm an Android Wear user yeah. myself. Do you uh, wear an Android Wear? I don't have one on today. I go yeah. back and forth. Yeah. Uh, you, the biggest hindrance right now 
is probably just battery life on these devices. So yeah. I'd like to see that really step up. I do have two different Android Wear devices. Yeah. Thanks to Google from Google I.O. that I attended last year. Uh, I do like them a lot. I'm not a, the thing is, I'm not a watch wearer. Right, yeah. Uh, but in contrast, like Jeremy Laval, who uh, is one of our amazing developers at Xamarin, a good friend of mine, you know, he's like, it just changed his life completely yeah. from he, he was a watch wearer, then he did Pebble, then Android Wear, and just integrating into his Android Google ecosystem yeah. just with navigation and everything. Like that. That's one thing that I did find was when I did wear it, I was wearing it solid for like about six months, Yeah, was navigation and kind of not being interrupted when I'm driving. I don't drive often because I don't own a car, but when I'm driving from place to place in a zip car, for instance, or a car to go, it was nice just to be able to say, you know, okay, Google, navigate to wherever, to my wrist. Yeah. I don't have to pull out my phone because I'm driving. And right, it would just right. start like showing. Tracy type scenario. Yeah. So that was the one thing that I think that it, it's not, I turned off notifications mostly on it because I didn't want to be interrupted on my wrist. Uh, I wanted just time to be really well done. And yeah. then when I need to tie into these, the actual applications such as Maps, like it should just work. And yeah. that was kind of nice about it. So we'll cool. see how the Apple... Watch yeah. does, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm an iOS guy, so I think so I'll you're going to get one. one. Yeah, but it's it, but you're also a watch guy too. I, I see you with fancy watches. Yeah, all the time. and that's the other thing I'm going to struggle with is, and I think that's why a lot of people went to the band because they can mm. wear it on the other wrist of the watch. Yeah, yeah. I have about 20 watches, and so I always rotate. So it's going to be weird to see whether I can give up wearing my nice watches for just wearing an Apple Watch full time. Yeah, but um, it's V1 hardware and. Apple have historically not been great at V1, so I might go super cheap and buy the sports one. Sports one, which and is then, the other uh, like that for three hundred and fifty or whatever, and then yeah, the cheap V2, one. I'll yeah. upgrade to the six hundred buck one or whatever it is. That's kind of my thought process right now. Yeah, give you got to give it. Yeah, you know, early adopters on any platform, you got you know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. We've been. And especially as developers, we've been doing, we're always early adopters of everything because yeah, yeah. we like we just want to geek out on it. Well, it's just, honest, you, know, you know, we always have tech budget, you know, like yeah. when you your budgets for the year, and you're like, well, I need this much money a month just in case something I want to buy comes up. Yeah, it's like I didn't need the Titanfall Xbox One edition, but I'm going to buy it anyway, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So true. Yeah. Cool. Well, again, thanks very much for your time. Yeah, and, thank um, you. See you at Building Ignite. And for anyone listening that's there, um, make sure you come and say to James and definitely attend his sessions because I seen him speak a few times now and he does great content and always got good demos and um is that app you've just shown me in the store the coffee one the coffee one yeah coffee filter it's available on android right now we're going to bring it to other platforms coffee filter is definitely out there you can read my blog i did a whole blog how i built this app in like two days and released it on google play yeah already which is pretty cool the whole app is it just uses your current geolocation and it shows you the closest coffee near yeah. you. I'm always drinking coffee, like all the time. When I, before I came here, I got coffee. When I returned to Seattle, I'll be getting more coffee <laughs> all throughout the day. So I always want to say, wherever I'm at, just show me coffee right now. <laughs> so the, I've, I've, I've done a V2, which will be out, uh, which is, it'll be out by the time the, the, the podcast is out. It'll be done later this week. And it integrates into different backends of Google Places. To like, it's almost like a, a Yelp, but specific only to coffee. <laughs> and then you can do like a full panorama view to find the coffee locations. It's really cool. That's, that's what I'm about yeah, is coffee. Two days as well. That's pretty impressive. Two days. Yeah, done. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. Cool. And all, it's all open source too. I open source everything I do on GitHub. So. Oh, that's excellent. So all my apps that I've released into the App Store, any libraries or samples, it's all on my GitHub. Sweet. Yep. Excellent. Well, enjoy the rest of your day, mate. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, see you soon. Yeah, thanks, Jeremy. Thanks again for listening. Make sure you check out dev.office.com for all of your Office 365 developer needs. 
All the links from the show are in the blog post on blogs.office.com WACDEV, where you can find the latest news about Office 365. If you have any ideas for new shows or questions for us, please join us in our Yammer group in the Office 365 Technical Network. Have a great week, guys, and keep coding on Office 365.